Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Hey, let's pray together and let's start this message. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we are your people. Everybody who's breathing and who has Jesus on the inside of them should be a leader, should have influence in the world around them. Not so that we can lord it over people and wield our authority, but God, so that we can be the people who lead others to Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader. And God, today we thank you that there's no fear in this place as we sing about. God, we thank you that there's no panic or disorder or chaos. I don't know what you came in walking with today, but I believe right now in the name of Jesus that the chains of anxiety are broken breaking off of you. I don't know what you came in shouldering today and the burden that's been weighing you down and it feels like it's overcoming you, but I believe that by the time you leave this morning, you will have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, listen, we're in the middle of this series called Free Indeed. And the scripture that we're basing it off of is John 8, 36. Jesus said, talking about himself in third person, which you should really only do if you're Jesus, you know, because it's kind of weird any other way. But Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Or the New Living Translation says, you will be truly free. You know, there's a lot of people who look like they're free, but they're not free indeed. That's like there's a lot of people who look like they have money, but they just have a big payment. You know what I'm talking about? The money's all going to one place. There's a lot of people who look like they're free, but they're not free indeed. And we don't wanna look like we're free. Just like Jesus was teaching the Pharisees, don't look like you're religious but not be free in your heart. We don't wanna be good at church. Pastor Brooks says this all the time. We wanna be good at God. We wanna understand what it truly means to be free in our heart and in our mind. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be truly free. How many of you wanna be free today? I always think there's another level of freedom that we can walk in that God wants to unlock on the inside of us. Maybe it's not freedom from something negative. Maybe it's freedom into something positive. Maybe it's not something that needs to be broken off of you, but maybe it's a new level of your calling and your destiny and your purpose that you need to step into in this life. But today, I believe that every one of us, myself included, is gonna walk into a new level, a new place of freedom. And so for the past two weeks, Pastor Dave has wonderfully taught us about being free in our heart and free in our mind. Do you remember that? Can you say, I'm free in my heart? And then say, I'm free in my mind. And he walked us through this amazing process of how we can learn to be free in our heart and free in our mind. It's really an inside out process. And today, I wanna to talk to you on the topic of I'm free from intimidation. I'm free from intimidation. In the Oxford Dic Dictionary, it says intimidate means to frighten or to overawe someone. Some people just do that when they say hi to me. Can I say that? Like, oh my gosh, I'm a pretty mellow guy. Frighten or overawe someone, especially in order to make them do what one wants. Frighten or overawe someone, especially in order to make them someone do what you want them to do. And today I'm not necessarily talking about people, but I'm talking about what the enemy tries to do to you. 
And you see people all throughout the Bible and specifically leaders all throughout the Bible who clearly struggle with intimidation in their personal lives. Not that they're intimidating people, but they feel intimidated by their enemies. Prime example is Joshua. Joshua has been trained very well to take over the people of Israel and to lead them across the promised land and into the destiny that God has for them. But in Joshua chapter one, God has to repeat over and over again to Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It would seem to me that maybe he's saying it over and over again because Joshua is afraid. And what's crazy is if you read Joshua chapter one, verse nine, it says, don't be afraid or discouraged or dismayed. One translation says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That word dismayed actually feels, it means, um, the word afraid, I'm sorry, means to feel dread. Have you ever gotten into a situation and you just dreaded it before you even got there? Some of you are thinking about Monday morning right now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a situation that intimidated you in your personal life that you felt dread about that. That's intimidation that the enemy is trying to put on you. Another great example is Timothy. And Timothy is this young pastor who is being trained by the best of the best. He's being trained by the apostle Paul, but he's afraid and you can tell from Paul's writings. Paul's coaching him and telling him, listen, you don't have to be afraid. And the scripture that Pastor Eric quoted earlier, 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid. He's saying, you don't have to be timid. You don't have to be intimidated. Having fear put into you, that's what intimidation is. I just wanna tell you today, if you feel intimidated by something in your life, whether it's a negative thing or whether it's a positive, something you feel that God is calling you to do, can I tell you, you are in great company and God loves working with people like you if you'll choose to give it to him. Because there are two choices. There's the choice to bury it, suppress it, and try your best to fake it, but that will always find you out. It happened to King Saul. But then there's a the choice to give it to God. And I wanna just remind you for a second that God is not asking you to be better than you are. He's asking you to give who you are to him so that he can take it and make it something better. When you stop and think about it for a moment, I would just describe it like this. God's not asking you to feed 5,000 people. God's asking you to give him your five loaves and your two fish and watch him do the rest. I wanna encourage you today, don't be intimidated by what the enemy is doing. And today I want us to focus on one person in the Bible who struggled mightily with intimidation. And can I say, he actually didn't really get it all right. And he didn't even finish his race very well if you study it out. But I want us to learn some good things from him today. And that is in the book of Judges, chapter six, we find out about Gideon. Now Gideon was like a lot of us. Gideon was a regular person just trying to make it through life. Gideon was a guy who was trying to find a way to make it work when he felt intimidated, when he felt like there was difficulty and oppression all around him. Gideon wasn't finding the best way, but he was finding a way to make it work. How many of you guys know what that's like? Like, I don't think this is actually good for me, but this is how I figured out how to cope with life right now. And today I hope that we can break that cycle and find something different. 
We can't read the entire story of Gideon because it would take so, so long, and I'm not gonna do that to you because I don't like it when people sleep during my sermons. I used to preach in middle school a lot, and I've seen it happen. Uh, but I wanna give you a little bit of context on what happens here. The Israelites are in a cycle of obedience and then disobedience, obedience and then disobedience. So they would get free and they would fall to oppression again. They would get free and they would fall to oppression because they would obey and then disobey, obey and then disobey. Can I just say, I don't know how many times in my life I've found myself in the same pattern as the Israelites. I think I got it and then I'm back to the same place. And I don't know what that is for you in that cycle, but today I believe that we're gonna break it. I wonder uh, if today you feel like every time you try to get ahead, something negative always happens. In fact, in Judges 6 verse three, it says this really interesting piece that every time the Israelites would plant seed and it would grow up, the Midianites, this other people group from around them would come in and they would take all of the crops that they planted. I wonder if in your family, you've been trying to plant good seed, but it seems like every time you try to do the right thing for your kids and for your spouse, the enemy comes in and takes it. Well, today I wanna just encourage you, we're gonna be bold and we're not gonna be intimidated because that is an intimidation tactic. I wonder if the enemy is entered your territory and tried to steal something from you or from your family, whether that's your finances or your health. Maybe it's your calling and your sense of destiny and purpose. Maybe it's your sense of self-worth or your desire to live in the first place. But today I want you to know that intimidation is the tactic of someone who feels intimidated themselves. People intimidate other people when they are worried about something themselves. And if the enemy is trying to intimidate you, it could just be because he knows what God has placed on the inside of you is greater. Pastor Eric said something the other day in our staff meeting. He was talking about David and Goliath. And he said, you know, one thing I, I never really thought about before was why did the Philistines send Goliath out? Why did they send one person? If you know the story well, there was one person that came out, a giant eight or nine feet tall. And they said, if anybody wants to fight this guy one-on-one, -on -one, then that'll be the winner of this battle. And what he said that I thought was so great is he said that the Philistines maybe sent Goliath out because they knew that their army couldn't take the army of Israel because the army of Israel was God's people. And so they sent one person out to intimidate them. And this is what I'm trying to tell you today, that the intimidation you felt when you drove here in the car, that intimidation is the enemy because he knows what God has placed on the inside of you. And he knows that if you step out in faith, he can't stand against you. So he'll try to get you to stop as soon as possible. So today we're gonna break the power of intimidation. So with this context in mind, we find Gideon in Judges chapter six, verses 11 through 16. It says, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, not Oprah, get your mind out of there, which belonged to, you get a car? I'm just kidding. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Gideon has a mouth, you know what I'm saying? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? He's been thinking about this while he's threshing wheat. Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Now here's what I wanna explain to you really quick. The angel of the Lord, oftentimes you see this in the Old Testament. Many scholars believe this is an appearance of God or of Jesus before he actually came to earth through Mary. And so Gideon's talking and he thinks it's just a regular guy. And then we know that it's not a regular guy and we know it's not even just an angel because it says, then the Lord turned to him and and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And we'll hang on to that. I wanna tell you something else about that in a minute, but I want you to keep that in mind. But Lord, Gideon replied. Now listen, he's not talking about God. He's just saying, sir, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in the entire family. And the Lord God said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So catch the picture. Gideon is in the bottom of a wine press. He's in a pit threshing wheat. I heard someone say one time, do you know how hard it was to thresh wheat? If you thresh wheat, you have to have wind to blow away the chaff. He has nothing. So he's working overtime because of intimidation. Some of us are struggling and striving in ways that we don't need to struggle and strive because the enemy has intimidated us for so long. And Gideon's in this place, but he's doing what he can and he's brave enough to get out of the house and try to figure out a way. And God can work with you if you're in that place. If you woke up out of depression today and you got out of bed and you turned on the stream, God can work with you this morning. So Gideon's in this place and God shows up to him and he doesn't know it's God. And God starts to say, go with the strength you have. You can do it. And he says, you mighty man of valor or courage. Now think about this. Gideon is like, nobody would ever say that about me. He says, I'm the weakest in my clan. My clan's the weakest in all of Israel. His self-talk is already defeating him before the enemy can even get to him because the enemy has oppressed him for so very long that he's begun to believe what the enemy says about him. But here's what I want you to see for just a moment, going back to the five loaves and the two fish and just giving God what you have. God says, you're a man of courage. He doesn't think he is, but you know, he had the courage to get up, to walk out of his house where the Midianites could see him, to grab some grain where they could come and steal it and harass him and to hide in a wine press and do something to feed his family. He had enough courage to do something. He says, I'm the weakest in my clan, but I think it's really interesting that God says, I'll go with you to fight the Midianites and you'll defeat them as if you were fighting one man. God is implicitly saying, You're good enough to fight and defeat one man. You have some form of strength and some ability to fight. And God is not asking Gideon for more than he has. And God is not asking you for more than you have today. He's saying, if you just have the ability to get out of bed and hide, but be out there in the open and try to do something, I'll work with that if you'll place it in my hands. If you have the strength to fight one battle with one enemy, I'll work with that and I'll multiply that just like I did the loaves and the fish if you'll place it in my hands. I wanna encourage somebody today. You may not feel motivated. You may not feel like you have the strength, but can I tell you today, someone else's freedom is on the other side of your obedience. 
And if it's not for you, can you do it for someone else that needs you? If it's not for your own freedom, can you get out there like Gideon did and at least try to thresh some wheat so that your family can have some food? Can you do something to step into freedom if not for you, for someone else? So instead of hiding what you have, why don't you put it in God's hands and see what he can do with it? I wonder what's on the other side of your fear. I wonder what's on the other side of your intimidation. I I wonder what's on the other side of your fear to see a counselor. I wonder what's on the other side of your fear to see a marriage counselor. I wonder what's on the other side of your fear to start a business. I wonder what's on the other side of your fear to start a small group or serve in the local church. I wonder what's on the other side of your fear of generosity and tithing. I wonder what's on the other side of your fear of applying for that promotion finally. I wonder if there are people that you could minister to in that position if we just applied for it, that you could help people transform their lives because you were the the supervisor who was godly and kind. I wonder if your generosity could bless somebody in Mexico or India or Nepal or wherever that may be because you chose to step past intimidation and your finances and to be generous. I wonder what's on the other side of your intimidation today. Here's the deal, God wants to help you. God wants you, let me rephrase that, to help other people conquer their intimidation. But he cannot do that until he deals with the intimidation that's inside of you. So here's what I wanna break down for us today. There are four ways that the enemy tries to intimidate us. Four ways that the enemy tries to intimidate us. I wanna encourage you to write these down. If you have your uh, Tree of Life app, you can go search in the app store, Tree of Life Church NB. You can get the notes there and email them to yourself. But make a, make a note for yourself somehow. Write it down so that you can remember it. Number one is this, oppression. Oppression, the dictionary says oppression is a sense of being weighed down in body or mind a sense of being weighed down in body or mind. To oppress is to burden spiritually or mentally. You hear that? Spiritually or mentally, to weigh heavily upon. These are not definitions that I pulled from a Bible dictionary. These are definitions, I believe, from the Oxford Dictionary or Merriam-Webster, one of those two. Nothing to do with our faith. And these are definitions that are telling us that oppression means that you're spiritually or mentally weighed down. And you might not have been able to see it, but I believe that a lot of people came into this room bent over today in their spirit, in their mind, with the pain that they walked in with. You know, what's so cool to me is that Jesus, when he's being tortured before he's crucified for you and I, they grab a crown of thorns and they place it upon his head and they push it down onto his head. I wonder what's been pushed down onto your mind. I wonder what thoughts have been pushed down into your mind. And I wonder if you can see today that Jesus Christ paid the price for that oppression in your mind when they pushed that crown of thorns onto his head. See, Gideon lived in an oppressive environment. There were enemies all around them that would come in and just harass them. I wonder if there are thoughts that harass you. I wonder if there are things from your past that mess with you still. 
I wonder what's been harassing you. And in Judges chapter six, we see that Gideon is down low in a wine press. You could see a physical picture of his mental and spiritual state. Gideon is in a low place trying to do what he's supposed to do, but he's in a place where he's at the lowest of the low. And he believes in his heart that he is the lowest of the low and the weakest. We live in an oppressive environment all around us too. There's division, there's hatred, there's bad news bombarding you from every direction all the time. There's the pressure to keep up with other people. There's the pressure to look like other people or to be as fit as other people or as supposedly flawless as other people. I don't know what's been oppressing you, but here's what I wanna point out to you today. I think this is really interesting and I don't know that I can prove this. If you try to study it out, it's kind of interesting to, to figure it all out. But Gideon's in this wine press threshing wheat and the Bible says very clearly that the angel of the Lord comes and sits down under a tree and it describes what's happening. And then it says, and then the angel of the Lord revealed himself to Gideon. Now it's not clear when you really read it, if it's sequential, like he sat down and then he revealed himself. But just go with me for a second and pretend that it is. That the angel of the Lord is sitting under the tree and Gideon has no idea that he's there. Now go back to what we talked about. We're talking about the angel of the Lord is God appearing to Gideon in this moment. And here's what I want you to see. Sometimes your oppression has gotten you to such a low place in your self-esteem, such a low place in your spiritual walk, such a difficult place that you're in the pit and you're looking down and you're just going through the grind and trying to do what you've got to do that you never look up and see that God is sitting above you, watching over you in the moment. He's sitting there watching you. And what's so powerful to me is that in this moment, we see that God is sitting down. Here's what's significant about that. Number one, when God is sitting down, it means he's not opposing you. If he wanted to fight, he would have been standing up. Can I say to someone who's feeling oppressed today, God is not against you, he is for you. He's against your enemy, but he's for you. But here's the second thing. In the middle of a place that was oppressive, this environment where the enemy could have come at any time because it was harvest time, they were gonna come take what they wanted from these people. They could see the fields just like everybody else could. In the middle of an oppressive environment, God is sitting down because he is at rest. And I don't know what's oppressing you today, but here's what I do know. God is with you and he wants to give you rest. And sometimes the deal with oppression is not about what's happening around you. The problem that happened to Gideon was not that there was oppression around him. It was that it got into him it became manifested in the way that he talked about himself. I have a friend who's a therapist here in town and I texted her yesterday and I said, tell me about some oppressive thought patterns that people have, things that they say about themselves. And I want you to listen for some things that you say because I read some in here that I say to myself. They say things like, I'll always blank. I'll never be able to blank. I'm terrible at blank. I always mess up blank. I'm so dumb, no one cares. Other people always love me. No, I'm just kidding. That's not one of the things they say. (laughs) Nothing ever works out for me. This always happens to me. And here's what she said that was so interesting. She said, the problem is, is that every one of those statements comes from a core belief that is inside of you. 
And what God wants to do when he shows up and he says, hey, mighty man or woman of valor, go in the strength you have because I'm with you. He's beginning to, with his words, reverse the process and beginning to transform your core belief about yourself so that you can begin to speak what God speaks over you. Don't let the enemy intimidate you with oppression. You may feel oppressed, but God is with you and he wants to give you rest. Everybody say rest. I feel that in this room today, rest for your soul. The second thing is opinions. Oh, this is a big one for me, opinions. In fact, I planned to preach on this for like a month and something came up where I was so worried about people's opinions for me. And I was so embarrassed, like, man. And I went back to those things, like, I feel so dumb. Because I'm worried about what everybody thinks, but I'm supposed to be preaching about not worrying about what everybody thinks. That's part of the human journey. So Judges 6, 27, it says, so Gideon, this is later on, God tells Gideon to do something. And I wish I could teach all about Gideon because he's hilarious. It's like God says something and he's like, but uh, can I ask one more time? And he keeps questioning God over and over again. But listen, God tells him, I want you to go. This is their country. The people of Israel at this time had chosen to serve idols instead of the living God who brought them out of Egypt and delivered them. And so God tells him, I want you to go and I want you to rip down the idols and the altars to the idols and I want you to make it known we're not doing this anymore. And here's Gideon's response. It is so brave, not really. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and he did as the Lord commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. So Gideon was not willing to do it in daylight when everybody could see him. He was afraid of what other people would think. So he did it at nighttime. I don't know about you, but there are some things I know God's called me to do, but I'm afraid of what other people will say about me if I do it. There's another term for this that's really, really easy and simple to understand. Proverbs 29, 25, it's the fear of man. It says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I feel like there's some lady that's like, I'm not afraid of any man. That's not what I'm talking about. Something different. (laughs) We can talk about that later. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. And I wanna tell you today that fearing people will always trap you. I'll never forget 2018, I'm playing guitar for somebody at this conference and the, the preacher is ministering. I don't know him, he's ministering. I'm playing guitar and he, actually I'll go back. This was a very small event. I asked if I could go play guitar for this person. I said, I'll come for free if you just get me there because I feel like God wants me to be there and I didn't know why. And uh, it was in the boonies in Alabama, like no cell service. It was crazy. And so this minister, he's preaching and I'm playing guitar and he turns around and he begins to speak this word of encouragement or we would call it prophecy over me. And uh, I can't hear him. So literally on stage, I go, I'm sorry, what did you say? And it got really awkward in the room, but I had in-ears and I couldn't hear what he was saying. I had my monitors in. And so he goes, I'm, my, my eyes are closed. I'm like this trying to receive. And he goes, you will never be of use to the man that you serve until the fear of man is broken off of you. Now, listen, you think that's really spiritual. I'm standing there with a guitar on and I'm like this. That's not right. He has no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) Genuinely, that's what's going through my head, which is so arrogant, I get it. But that was what was happening in my head at the time. I'm like, this is totally not accurate. What is happening? He does not know. And it clicks in my head. 
my eyes are closed, my hands are like this, pretending like I'm receiving something, and I'm thinking about what everyone in the room is thinking about me. Wouldn't that be the fear of man? No way. Maybe he's right. And I'll tell you, for five years, I've been on a journey to try to go, you know what? I'm gonna try to understand and internalize that. Here's what I wanna challenge you today with. You will be of no use to the God you serve until the fear of man is broken off of your life. I am not saying that you go tell everybody off in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) That is not what I said. I'm just telling you, if you're not brave enough to pray for that person in the store that God told you to pray for, who will do it? And I wanna share a story. I wanna share a story that's really personal. I didn't intend to share this, um, but there was one time that I, I felt called, and I'll just share this personally with you. I felt called to pray for somebody. I was on my way home. There was a lady, and uh, I, I saw her around town all the time, and it was clear that there was some form of disability there. And she had an issue going on, and uh, I didn't know what it was. I never met her, but I saw her. It was probably 9.30 at night. It was dark outside. I saw her sitting on the side of the road by where she lived. I would have to pass her all the time to go to my house. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I was pretty young. I'm by myself. I'm a single man. I felt like the Lord said to pray for her. Well, in my mind, I'm like, I cannot stop at 930 at night to a random lady on the curb and pull over and say, can I pray for you? That's not going to go well, you know. And it's like on the side of the freeway, you know. And at the time I was just young and I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to handle that or what to do. Now looking back, I actually wonder if maybe God was just telling me to pray for her as I drove, but I couldn't really discern what he was saying. And uh, in that moment, I just said, well, I can't do that. That's weird, you know, and I drove off. And I don't remember if it was that night or if it was within the week or so, that lady was hit by a car and was killed. And God was teaching me to pray for people, but I didn't know what he was trying to say. Can I just say, and I didn't mean to make it so heavy in here, but can I say for a second that the fear of man is a snare and it's not just a trap for you, it's a trap for other people. That the other side of your obedience might be freedom for that lady in the grocery store. The other side of your obedience might be the fact that they were gonna take their life, but you stepped in and they saw the light. I wanna encourage you today, you will be of no use to the God you serve unless the fear of man is broken off of you. It doesn't matter what they think about you because God is with you. The third thing I'm gonna have to go quick with y'all today is opposition. Judges six, after he tears down the the Asherah pole, which is the, the little altar and everything to their idols. The funniest thing in this to me is that he goes and hides. (laughs) He's inside, it's daylight. Everybody realizes like someone ripped down our place of worship and they worship to the God of Israel. And so they come looking for him and they have to go to his dad. He's a grown man and they have to go to his dad and they say, bring out your son. Like I picture Gideon like peeking through the blinds like, "Ah." they're like, bring out your son. And here's what I wanna say, they were gonna kill him. And Joash, his dad defends him. And Joash, his dad, I can tell his dad used to be one of those guys when he was younger because his dad goes, listen, if Baal's so tough, let Baal defend himself. You don't need to do it for him. And it's so crazy to me because when Gideon 
is in this place. He's moved from a place of people's opinions to now their actual opposition. And I wanna say this really clearly to you. When you are doing the will of God, you will move from a place of being afraid of what people think about you to people actually opposing you. Or can I say it this way, to the enemy actually opposing you. And if you haven't been walking with God long enough to notice this, you will soon. That there will be a time when you know you're doing what God says to do. And it's like, why did this happen this week? Something crazy just took place. When you're walking in the will of God, you'll see things start to happen around you and you can tell the enemy's trying to get me off track. It's moving from people's opinions that I'm afraid of to the devil is trying to oppose me in order to stop me. I'll make it really easy for you. The week that we recorded our live album, I think it was the day before we wrapped up rehearsals and stuff. I had a, a credit card fraud like thing with Randolph Brooks and they were like, someone tried to take 10 grand from your checking account. I was like, they got the wrong account. Boom, it's not in there. But if they know where it's at, give me a call. So I'm sorting all this stuff out. We're about to produce a live album. We have people coming in from out of town. And the same day, I'm driving a rental car because we're picking all these people up. And I, I sort out the thing. Actually, I don't even know if I had sorted out yet. I was thinking like, I got to call these people. But I knew I'd be cool because there was no 10 grand in there. So they can't take what's not there. But I'm driving and I'm, I'm processing all this. And I go through an intersection and the car in front of me, someone blows the stoplight, boom, and hits them. It's the day before we're supposed to record this live album to celebrate the 40th anniversary of our church. Can I tell you the devil will try? And now you know what I do? I expect it. And I pray before it even happens. And if it doesn't catch you off guard, it kind of begins to mess with your enemy. If it doesn't get you off track, I used to tell people all the time, when, when you're a teenager and they're annoying you, if you just quit reacting, they'll quit doing it. You know what I'm saying? The devil will quit trying so hard if he realizes that he can't get you off track anymore. And you're gonna move from a place of oppression and opinion to opposition. But here's what I want you to know, Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against you will succeed or prosper in Jesus' name. And I'm not talking about people, although sometimes people will oppose you for believing in what God says. But I'm talking about when the enemy tries to come against you with opposition, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna give in? Or are you gonna remember that God said, I will be with you? And the last and final thing I wanna say is the odds. Sometimes in life, the enemy will try to intimidate us with the odds. Fast forward in the story of Gideon, he's got 32,000 men that have gathered to fight this epic, huge battle with the Midianites. But there's a lot more Midianites than there are Israelites in this moment. And God does this strange thing where he says, tell everybody here, if you're afraid, you can leave. Like, are you sure? And all these thousands of people begin to leave. And then it gets whittled down even further. And God does the strangest test and he says, I want you to take them all down to the stream and I want you to have them drink from the water. And if they drink water a certain way, then they can be in the battle with you. And if they don't, then they have to go home. There's something really cool about this just from a leadership perspective. The people that God wanted were the people who didn't stick their face down in the water, but who would pull the water up to their mouth so that they could keep a lookout. 
The people you want around you are not the people who are so absorbed in themselves and their own problems. You want the people who are looking out for everybody else. So Gideon whittles it down with God from 32,000 to 300. And God says, oh, now we can do this. And what I love about God is that God sends everybody out who's afraid. But if you read through the story really carefully, God then tells Gideon something really fascinating. He says, here's what you're gonna do. Here's how your plan of attack is gonna work. But he says this in private to Gideon as the leader. He says, but if you're afraid, go over and sneak over to the Midianite camp tonight and listen to what they're saying about you guys and it'll give you courage. Can I just tell you, Midian's been fighting this intimidation the whole time. He's at the peak of when he's about to do what God said and he's still afraid. And God is okay with that. Joshua was at the peak of what God was telling him to do when he was about to cross the Jordan and God was okay with his fear. If you'll just give it to God and acknowledge it. And so I don't know what your odds are. I don't know if maybe you think, hey, people from my background, from my ethnicity, don't get the same chance. I don't know if you think people from my income level, people from my education level. I don't know if you think people with my family's history of sin or my family's history of disease. I don't know what you think about the odds today, but here's what I know. God loves impossible odds. And do you know why he loves impossible odds? because he gets the glory every time. Because when 300 people conquer an army of tens of thousands, there is only one explanation and it's God. And the crazy thing that can happen, and it happened to Gideon and it happened to Saul, and it even happened to David a little bit, is that you can get to the place where you overcome intimidation, but it's really just a bandage or a Band-Aid and you're pushing down your actual fear and you think that it's you that's so great and you still walk in that insecurity. And the crazy thing that can happen there is you'll think I caused all of this. But God will do this crazy thing where he'll take you and he'll go, I'm gonna take these odds that are overwhelming. I'm gonna cause you to overcome and to conquer so that you will know and everyone will know that God did it, not a person. And I believe today that God is saying to somebody, I know what the odds are, but I'm still with you. See, it may look like the odds are stacked against you, but God is fighting for you. Psalm 27 says, even though an army would rise up against me, I will not fear. Why? Because he knows that the Lord is God, his God is with him. And John Knox said, one man with God is in the majority. That if nobody else is with you, but God is with you, then God will fight for you. Amen. A couple of things. Four things, four ways the enemy will try to intimidate you. Number one, oppression. Number two, opinions. Number three, opposition. Number four, odds. But here's my question for you today that we can take home. What's the answer? What's the answer? This is great. You taught me all the ways the enemy will try to intimidate me, but what do I do about it? In Joshua 1.9, it goes straight back to that. God says, don't be afraid for I will be with you. And then in the book of Judges chapter six, God tells Gideon, I will be with you. I want you to repeat this after me. Say this, say the devil can't win because God is with me. Now say it a little stronger, like you got a little boldness in you. The devil can't win because God is with me. And 
free from intimidation. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. 